Late Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hi. Thank you for braving the torrential rain. Yes, it turned out the skies opened just as I was leaving my house, and I did not have time to go back and get an umbrella. So I'm a little bit damp, but that has not stopped Harley from jumping into my lap and making herself comfortable so she uh she's yeah. a fan of yours I harley know. like beelines it whenever meredith shows up um she loves you a lot hey i am willing to give this little chihuahua a <laughs> lot of love so i can understand why this is a you know very positive symbiotic relationship it's half your creatures. fault because you have now shown her your willing to snuggle so hey i mean if there's anything I should be known for, it's my love of <laughs> snuggling with affectionate little dogs. Exactly. Uh, we'll put that on your tombstone. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I brought up your death. Uh, guys, <laughs> it's like treason news. That means we're currently in the pop culture section. So today I wanted to talk about the Emmys. Obvi. Of course. Um, I did not watch it because I was helping my friend with a shoot last night because um, I'm a very generous, loving person, as mm. you guys all know. But I saw emotions were running high. Yes. And I, I did watch it. And so because okay. I was uh, having a nice chill night at home while I'm stitching my twee ass Doctor Who cross stitch thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so as I was slowly putting together the cross-stitch Cyberman, I decided that watching the Emmys would be fine. <laughs> and, I, you know, I got to say, once again, I am reminded, Colin Jost and Michael Che kind of suck. Yeah. Do you remember when Michael Che straight up, like, went to war with a bunch of female comics? I sure do. And then pretty much suggested that his fans show up at one of the comic shows oh i sure do threatening intimidating way i remember he's i mean for a guy who likes to make jokes about you know people about racism and assumptions people have about black individuals yeah. he sure makes a lot of assumptions about women and is awfully, awfully sensitive yeah, yeah. he also he used to come to UCB a lot for the stand-up shows, and he does this thing where if a joke of his bombs, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot I'm at UCB. Like, we're too sensitive yeah, like for his funny, funny problem. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I did see an amazing tweet from Brandy Jensen uh, last night that said, if you're ever look, if you're ever wondering uh, how someone can be a virgin and still have fucked, just look at Colin Jost. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking funny. Did you ever see when he was on College Jeopardy? Uh, no, but I just can't. Now that I'm imagining him in some douchebag Harvard sweater, it's really giving He's me like, love. He's pudgy, no fat shaming, but like it just adds to the imagery. Yeah. He's like pudgy Colin Jost in a Harvard sweater. And I think he immediately gets a question wrong. Oh, my God. Like immediately. I just remember laughing very hard watching it. Um, yeah. But we can actually talk about the winners because, that you know, yes. there were I saw lots of lots of white people won lots of things, which, you know, was probably going to happen. But there were so many jokes about how it was such a diverse uh, slate of nominees that it started to feel a little bit like, all right, guys. I hate when, you know, Hollywood or the industry in general starts patting themselves on the back so much. Yeah. Or even making jokes about Me Too and, like, the secret predators that walk mm -hmm. among them because I'm like, this is still an issue. <laughs> and until it's well in the past, I think it's really awful to joke about it yeah and i know you know like some people make jokes because it's cathartic and i think there's a difference between that and sort of laughing about something like haha remember that thing that used to be a problem when it's still a problem yeah also there's a difference between nominating a diverse group of people and those diverse people actually winning the awards right. yeah it's the sort of thing where like of course it's great that drag race finally won for best reality show mm. but if there had been a real commitment to diversity it would have picked off the amazing race like five oh seasons my God. ago that show i how many seasons has it I been in i don't know i mean there were jokes <sighs> about the amazing race on 30 rock in an early season so <laughs> that's how long it's been on but uh, but there were some good winners. I was you very, wanted to celebrate yeah, a couple. Yeah, I was very happy Alex Bornstein won for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She's great. She's also been around forever. I know. And yeah. is very underappreciated. And she brought one of her Mad TV uh, alums with her as her date. So, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's very nice. I got to watch The Assassination of Gianni Versace. 
Um, I yeah. still haven't seen it. Darren Chris won for that outstanding lead actor and gave an incredibly gracious, sweet oh, speech good. while wearing one of the most hideous suits I've ever <gasps> really? seen. Really? Oh, see. the he, he looked. Oh, it looked like <laughs> he bought it at a Fred Hart. Hardy, Ed Hardy, yeah. Ed it was Hardy. like Tom Hardy. No, that's the good one. Ed, he Here, Ed something Hardy. that's going to blow your mind. Tom Hardy's real name is Ed Hardy. Well, I mean, at least he knew how to, cha- he he goes had to by change Tom it. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Um, yeah, uh, I have uh, Ed Hardy's shoes from way back in the day. I would like to point out I got them before all the douchebags got them. Mm. And I like, I, I don't want to throw them out because I love them so much. Yeah. But like, also just shout out to anyone who wants to wear a suit in, you know, whatever your gender. Just be really careful with the fabric because I know like you should be adventurous and I've seen some gorgeous ones, but there's a difference between like cool print oh, I gotta and get a photo. what have you done and where what? is mystery hiding? What did he do to himself? Okay, I'm going to yeah. get a photo. So, um, did, oh, uh, speaking of people who did the wardrobe right though, did you see the Queer Eye guys? Oh, I sure did. Oh, they all looked, it was, everybody had such a unique look and somehow it worked yeah. together. And I, I mean, I felt a way about my opinion on Anthony's like sexy butler <laughs> outfit. You didn't like? like, oh no, no, I, I did like, and then I had to question some things about myself. Oh, you know, I'm looking at Darren Chris's suit. I, you know what the issue is? That it's shiny. Mm, okay. I yeah, feel like I if it that. wasn't that shiny, I dig the quilt look. I, it just looks cheap because it's shiny. I yeah. think. Yeah. Award show fashion with Meredith and Allison. You would think Come that he's around enough people who are like in the know when it comes to style that they would be like, oh, honey. Yeah. But I mean, Ryan Murphy is a man who wore a pink suit to the uh, to the award I mean, show. Like so he's probably. Well, yeah, like I mean, it looked good. But, you know, yeah. I think it's more that he was definitely ready to take a risk. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a little sad because I was like rooting for Ricky Martin as a supporting actor in a limited series just because sure 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 uh and like just out of my pure love of Ricky Martin and he did not win so I was just like I wanted him to get up there and make some wonderful speech about love and wouldn't it be great if he egotted that would have been great that would have been great Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Regina King won for Outstanding Lead Actress in a limited series or TV movie yeah. for seven seconds. So. And then you get uh, Barry picked up too. You got Bill Hader. Dude, I got to watch Barry. Especially oh, it is UCB really good. was pushing it hard, obviously, because there's a lot of UCB people mm-hmm. in it. Um, and I, it's just one of the shows that's on my to watch list that I haven't gotten a chance to see yet. Um, Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, well deserved one for the marvelous Mrs. Marv uh, Mrs. Maisel, <laughs> uh, outstanding lead actress, and Amy Sherman Palladino won back to back Emmys, and Jazz handed her way on when she had to th- get the second one in her like <laughs> mini shorts or mini skirt and uh, tails and top hat. Uh, it was amazing. That's I was awesome. so happy. Um, but I did want to take a yeah. jump because I'm Meredith I'm has so a rant, furious. y'all. I do. This is my pop culture <laughs> rant. So uh, the Americans, like one of the best shows of the last decade, did win a writing award for the finale. Well and deserved. Then, uh, which was one of the best finales I've ever seen. Yes. And then Matthew Reese won for Outstanding Actor, which well is deserved. A, also well deserved. And then there was fuckery <laughs> when... Claire Foy won for playing Queen Elizabeth and <sighs> Carrie Russell was denied okay. for her performance and especially in the last season because I, I don't care how much you love a well-appointed, expensive Netflix costume drama. There is absolutely yeah. no doubt in my mind that Carrie Russell had everything she had to do in every single episode she's of the never last... Won. She's never won. So I have my own separate rant about this because before I get into it, let me just... I'm going to list the women that were up for Outstanding Oh yeah, this actress. is really... Yeah. This is the most stacked category I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So Claire Foy, who won for The Crown, and I think Claire Foy should have won, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Tatiana Maslany for Orphan Black, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale... Sandra Oh for Killing Eve, Carrie Russell for The Americans, and then Evan Rachel Wood for Westworld. Yeah. Every single actress in that category, you could make a good argument should yeah. win. Although basically, like four of the six nominees were doing like riffs on 
like sex trauma. I mean, right? Because like Claire Foy, whatever, and Sandra Oh, not like uh, not getting raped. But then you have Tatiana Maslany and Orphan Black. Like that's all about like bodily violations. As is Handmaid's Tale. The Americans has a ton of like is a great, (laughs) wonderful show that involves like sexual trauma and PTSD. And one of the only good. like only good ways that has ever been handled on television. Mm-hmm. And then Evan Rachel Wood plays a sex robot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also very much in the ether right now. Oh yeah. Women fighting back after yeah. being, yeah. I mean, that's good. But yeah. I think this is illustrative of the problem with waiting until the last season to reward right. great, great acting. Like Carrie Russell should have won ages ago. Yeah. For and the Americans. Every single season had some storyline for her that involved like an immense amount of work and having to do a lot and still be very buttoned up. Like Mm -hmm. I've, she's like so good. It's, there's no way people didn't notice. It's ridiculous. It's like next level acting. There's layers on layers on layers. If you haven't seen it, you should watch the Americans. Um, But I feel like a lot of the times the Oscars does this with like trilogies. um, But the Emmys does this with the last season of a show where if it is a very prestigious show where they know it's going to win a bunch of awards they will wait until the very last season to reward them here's the problem with that if something like the crown comes along then you have claire foy and then carrie russell doesn't get recognized at all and it's like that fucking sucks well but also what really bothers me about this and that's specific to the way that we treat uh female characters in pop culture that are you know quote-unquote unlikable or Mm -hmm. difficult like she had the harder job because she was playing a character that was prickly and you know stringently ideological and uh like violent like full of anger a lot Mm. of the time and Matthew Reese's trajectory throughout the course of the show was playing a character that becomes softer and becomes more more empathetic and becomes like wants to do this and like is more of it has a much more like every man trajectory where like you know you're undercover and then you fall in love with a thing you're right. supposed to be monitoring and so of course that he's going to win because that's something that's very relatable and people sure. want to reward that because it feels warm and fuzzy and like lovable and she did more because she didn't mm-hmm. like she wasn't lovable in a lot of ways like, what's in interesting a lot of is series. it was the exact opposite for breaking bad yeah where the the central protagonist in Breaking Bad, Walter White, is more like Carrie Russell's mm-hmm. character. He, yeah, he yeah. is unlikable, but because he's the male character, mm-hmm. you get the anti-hero love. Yes, yeah, yeah. and um, and I think that's really frustrating. And I, you know, also just I have so much love for that show, and think that you, it's going to become more and more relevant as time goes by, and like its cult grows over the course of. For sure, for sure. Um, Also, Peter Dinklage won for Game of Thrones, outstanding supporting actor, Mm -hmm. also well deserved. Um, Who else? Anybody specifically? Oh, Thandi Newton for Westworld. That is very much well deserved. Yes, yes. And she swore and she thanked uh, female God, and that was nice. (laughs) I liked it. Um, You know, Saturday Night Live won again, which is so annoying Uh, because who cares? yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. That was a tough one because I had friends that were from uh, there for Sam B and for John Oliver. And yes. it was great that John Oliver won and I got to see some cute Instagram posts. But I still wish that my my kids at the Sam B would, would have been able to take it. Yes, uh, that's such a great show. Um, outstanding comedy series. I don't know how you pick a winner winner in this category. How do you have the marvelous Mrs. Maisel against Atlanta? I know. Because Atlanta is a truly awesome show. Yeah. But it's really in its own realm. Yeah. I don't know how you compare Atlanta to Barry or Blackish. Yeah. Cur- curb your enthusiasm. Like these are very, very different shows. Yeah. And it it just seemed like they were looking to award something new because Atlanta won last time. And then yeah, like Game of Thrones won of for course. outstanding drama, which of was a, again, I thought was deeply offensive because the Americans was so much better. But we can all take some comfort in the fact that this is us didn't win because <laughs> I have such a deep and abiding hatred for Dan Fogelman and his like ridiculous weepy machinations that like I want to see them I just want to see them crushed you know it's 
I've just come to terms with the fact that those shows are not for me. Uh, Where yeah. I, I can be watching it and appreciate it, but it's never something that I'm like excited to get back to. Like I stopped watching This Is Us after season one where I was like, okay, I understand this. Yeah, well, I am I am excited though because we're, we're coming up on the release of what's going to be one of the all-time terrible Everything's Connected movies, Life Itself. Also directed by This Is Us creator Dan Fogelman. Oh, okay. And it's one of those like stacked casts with like Oscar Isaac and Antonio sure. Banderas and Annette Benning and Olivia Wilde and a ton of other fucking people. It's like un- it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it does the like babble or crash. It's like sappy crash. Like everything's connected. <laughs> uh, we are all one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like if you injected the DNA of Hugh Grant's opening monologue in uh, Love Actually. Oh, God. But then made it sad and, I don't know, just even dumber than you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. anything could be. Like, this is what I've been, yeah. It it seems to be making the argument just through demonstration that life itself is actually meaningless. Okay. Um, which is to say, I'm going to get some cans of wine and go see it and laugh my I'll ass off. I'll go with you. Yeah. You want to so go see it? I will I will give a detailed review of this okay. soon-to-be shit show. Cool, cool. Uh, so while we're still in the pop culture section, did you have any recommendations for people? Ooh, do I have any recommendations? Um, I might not right now. I'm okay. trying to think if there was anything. Oh, I can just throw one out there. Sure. Um. I was making dinner the other night and was listening to Waxahachie, mm, okay. uh, and there's still the two albums. She hasn't doesn't have anything new, but if you're not on the Crutchfield sisters, Allison and Katie, mm-hmm. uh, Allison Crutchfield performs under her own name, and then Katie Crutchfield performs as uh, Waxahachie. Some of the best like young women make beautiful rock and roll folk stuff. Like it's just. Just so they're beautiful songwriters, and I think like you should just get into them if you're not already, because cool, they're great. Yeah, um, I have already recommended this on the show, but season two of The Good Place mm-hmm. is great, and also I am watching uh, the new season of BoJack Horseman. Almost done with that, man. It it's getting into like Me Too stuff. I just don't know. I've I haven't watched BoJack at all, and I know I should, but it's Oof. just like knowing that. Knowing that I have got so many seasons of like really harrowing comedy is I, like tough. I for will me. say it was very. I haven't laughed as hard at watching a show as I have watching BoJack Horseman in a long time. So it does get very real and it gets very deep in a surprising way for a comedy. But it is also just a genuinely funny show. Okay. It's not one of those shows where it's like comedy, quote unquote. You know, mm-hmm. like it is genuinely a funny show. Even like there is a absolutely batshit episode in this this most recent season that breaks pretty much all of the rules of script writing like it should not work yeah and it does and it's very sad it takes place at one location the entire episode and uh it's just bojack talking and it should be very sad but it's also very very funny Hmm. um but it's just such a weird ambitious show i love it um, it, it was recommended to, to me by Tommy and Melissa like forever ago. They were like, have you seen BoJack Horseman? And I was like, mm. no. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. I know. I think I've just been so, I was so traumatized by the experience of having Rick and Morty recommended to me that I have a really hard time jumping into something that's animated, it's, it's even when it's much, very, very different. It is very much in the Rick and Morty vein where like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, watching a comedy, <laughs> like what's happening? But it like, I'd say it's even a little darker than Rick and Morty. I mean, good. As long as it's yeah. Mostly, I just I have my moments of like, oh, you guys are mm. yeah. But I'll I'll I will p- pick it up eventually. I just yes. have my have my feelings. Great. Um, I just need to let everyone know that Harley uh, pooped in the middle of the living room <laughs> and then tried to run over here like nothing happened. <laughs> and now she's and now back she's on my sitting lap. on Meredith's lap. I think she's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, or I think you're fine. Yeah. I know she's fine. She just pooped. <laughs> she feels great right now. She's like, I feel lighter. Um, Guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. We obviously have to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, I am so 
fucking depressed by everything around this situation. Like, uh, depressed. I'm, like, afraid for Christine uh, Lazy Ford because mm-hmm. she has agreed to testify. Um, and Kavanaugh has agreed to testify before the committee. This is the reason they delayed everything yep. to, to figure out what they were going to do. So she very, very bravely uh, has offered to yes. testify, which is great. But at the same time, I'm like... Yeah. Well, this is after several months yeah. of her specifically not wanting to come forward right. and and be named because she was correctly worried about the character assassination that was going to come. Well, also, really depressingly, she's like, why would I go through all of that if nothing's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that could very well still yeah. happen. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, everybody keeps talking about, remember, you know, justice for Anita Hill. I mean... She's in her, you know, she's in her 50s. She remembers when this happened. And even yeah. Democrats went after her during the confirmation process. So I I think she was being very smart when it mm-hmm. came to that. And I just, I feel so, I feel terrible for her because she's dealing, going to deal with so much fucking awful bullshit. Yeah, and it's just so depressing to watch like the serial predators circle the wagons. Well, yeah, yesterday was such a terrible day to be online because of like the number of times you would have to see the same quotes about how, Oh, well, if this, if this guy's nomination can be torpedoed because of a last minute accusation of sexual assault, then everyone's going to be at risk. And you're going to see this strategy deployed every time there's a judge up for confirmation. And I was like, did you, what you're all, are you just all rapists? You're probably all just rapists. Well, yeah. I mean, seeing Trump who notoriously bragged about, you know, um, sexually assaulting women, aka grabbing them by the pussies, uh, saying that like Kavanaugh is a good man. Mm-hmm. I was like, of course, you guys, you fucking assholes, are running to each other's defenses. Yeah. Well, also, it's so telling that, like, in the language of some of the supporters of Kavanaugh, that you know he's still completely denying, at least publicly, completely denying that anything happened, but things have started to slip into the space of no, nothing ever happened. But like he assured me that he wasn't at the party on this night, like this party in question. And uh-huh. I was like, thanks Orrin Hatch, because now you confirm that he remembers enough of what he was doing at <laughs> yep. this time. Um, and also like, thank God there was enough noise made to actually force them to postpone. Cause I was worried that it wasn't going to work. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of like, I'm I'm feeling very pessimistic because I'm like, okay, they delayed it, but will it matter? I know, but it's also like we have to. I have to at least hope because she's trying to do this service, and we're looking, trying not to repeat the mistakes of the Clarence Thomas era. It's been, and and maybe maybe it does. I mean, I guess like there's just so many questions, and um, knowing that. Trump is going to want to double down. But yeah, there's, I think there's a good chance that people are going, that senators will abandon him because they're, they're afraid of, of, I hope, I hope. I mean, I'm also the person who, when the, uh, the tapes came out between Billy Bush and Trump, I was like, oh, this will (laughs) matter. And then it didn't. And I was like, well, yeah. Is it, are we just watching it happen again? Mm, Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, yeah. I mean, obviously, Somebody tweeted this too, but you know, of course, we're looking at this and oh, wouldn't it be terrible if if the consequences of some stupid drunken mistake that Brett Kavanaugh may or may not have made in when he was seventeen against a fifteen-year-old, by the way, uh, <laughs> that uh, like would force you know would would torpedo his career for the rest of you know or would torpedo his chances at a Supreme Court seat, and then you think, okay, so something that he did when he was seventeen that would had it been reported, be a crime. Yep. Actually still is a crime, but it was not reported because, right. you know, children and terror. Uh, like, it's just like what happened to Merrick Garland for the crime of being appointed or being nominated by a Democrat. That's Which, another thing, like, you know? Yeah. All of the all the people saying, like, well, why didn't she come forward? Why didn't she call the police? I don't think they understand. I forget the exact statistic, but it's like 60-something percent of victims don't report mm-hmm. their assault. So what she did is actually 
totally normal. It's what yeah. the majority of victims do mm-hmm. um, for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, if you actually listen to what she says, she was afraid he was going to kill her. Oh, absolutely. It sounded absolutely terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I know someone who's done a lot of reporting on the, you know, the phenomenon of, of false accusations. You know, what does this really look like? Said that there are absolutely none of the hallmarks of what you find in cases that actually are. And I think that, you know, the default should still always be to believe women. And this is almost certainly, like, it's, I definitely believe that this happened and that Brett Kavanaugh is a terrifying sexist monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that she's been consistent. This is actually happening. It's it's not like, I'm just, I fucking hate people that don't believe that people are capable of sexual assault and boys will be boys and every other bit of nonsense. Hmm. Uh, so I, keeping with this theme, I wanted to talk about Barry Weiss because you brought this to my attention. Oh, yes, I did. So, so sorry for Weiss, that too. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, who is the New York Times opinion editor for some reason. And also who's very concerned about uh, conservatives being stifled on college campuses. Yes, the the greatest threat of our time, Um, you know, setting aside climate change and the rise of fascism. Uh, Barry Wise was on NBC News and said, other than in this instance, Brett Kavanaugh has a reputation as being a prince of a man. Mm. Um, and then at one point asked what about the deeper moral cultural like the ethical question here should the fact that a 17 year old presumably very drunk kid did this should this be disqualifying I love when we decide this is Allison Barry's done talking I love uh, when we decide when 17 being 17 makes you a kid versus adult yeah if you're Trayvon Martin you are an adult you're an adult if you're an immigrant teenager who's in need of an abortion you are a uh like definitely a child and should be allowed not allowed to make your own decisions if you're a, a a dumb college teenager uh sexually assaulting a 15 year old you're a kid yeah and you being drunk excuses your behavior yeah Okay, um, so should I read her full comments? Yeah, let's uh, do okay. it. Let's just torture ourselves. And then just interrupt me whenever you have a thought about something. Of course. So this is Barry Weiss. I believe that she's completely sincere in what she believes happened. And maybe it did happen exactly as she said 36 years ago, although we all know memory is capricious. Okay, you know when you accidentally uh, yeah. form a memory that you were raped and it didn't happen? Memory okay. is capricious unless it's a white lady testifying against a black man yep. in terms of a crime. Uh, but the idea that it's not a he said, she said, that it, that's exactly what it is. And what's very, very different about this case as opposed to a lot of the other Me Too stories, it's like that famous New York Times ad that I think is so excellent. Uh, this is not a paid ad from me from the Times, by the way, it's he said, she said, he said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said. The whole thing in all of these instances is that there's been a sustained pattern. Okay, Allison again, uh, there's no way she's the only victim. Absolutely not. So maybe the other victims are afraid to come forward? Well, also hundreds of alumni alumni signed a letter in support of uh, Ford saying that her, like, that her story is absolutely in keeping with their experiences with uh, with the boys of yeah. the boys' school and the you know whatever the pair, uh, and that 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 culture makes them think that he totally would have done it. So yeah. that that right there tells you that this is this is a person this who should yeah, yeah like if this was normalized, this is a person who shouldn't be trusted. Right. Certainly not to be adjudicating extremely important ethical and constitutional issues. Right. So Stephanie Rule, the host, said, and that was around Bill Cosby, Weiss. By all accounts, and by the way, Harvey Weinstein, Nate, we could go through them. Uh, The ones that have stuck, there's been a pattern. By all accounts, other than this instance, Brett Kavanaugh has a reputation as being a prince of a man, frankly, other than this. His reputation has never been uh, a thing 
you know, reputations never covered up someone's misdeeds before. It's not like Bill Cosby had a reputation of being America's dad right. before, you know, while he was also drugging and raping women over the course of decades. While lecturing black youth not to use profanity and, and to pull, pull their up pants. their pants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I believe her. I believe what she's saying. I'm just saying in the end of the day, it is one word against another. Uh, and then th this is uh, skipping forward a bit. What about the deeper moral, cultural, like the ethical question here? Let's say he did this exactly as he said. Should the fact that a 17-year-old presumably very drunk kid did this, should this be disqualifying? What's the question at the end? That's the question at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, so the host goes, wait, hold on. We're not talking about should he be disqualified to be a dog catcher? We're talking about to be a Supreme Court justice. A lifetime appointment. And then Wise said, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm actually really curious. What is the ethical question she's supposedly pointing to in that situation? Yeah. Is like, do, like, are you entitled to, like, everything you want to do? Just be, like, only if you were a, a saint? Because I don't think that's an ethical question. Are we are we talking about an ethical question? Is in like what shitty things? How many shitty things can you do during the course of your lifetime before you're ethically disqualified from being an arbiter of right. some of the most fundamental questions By of the way, our nation? I think if you're a sexual predator, you also shouldn't be a dog catcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, you de you definitely shouldn't be a basketball coach, right? For sure. Oh, remember how they. Uh, Created that fact out like I that know. was supposed to show us. He's what a, good a father guy is. of daughters, guys. He could mm -hmm. never have been a you know, predator. You know. Uh, so then, this is the last one I'll read. Uh, Rule the host asked, "What if someone was chosen who doesn't think this is acceptable? What if women like you and I and every other woman we know say we've had similarish things happen and we've accepted it? What if this is the moment to finally say, you know?" You know what? Let's actually take a stand and not say, this is life. People get drunk. Yikes. And actually move in another direction and say, this does this does disqualify you. Let's find another pick. So Weiss says, yes. I'm just saying what's striking to me is that I guess I'm thinking of it today from the perspective of let's all think about our worst instance that's happened to us in this world and imagine it paraded out in front of the country. And that most men we know, it's a horrible reality. I'm just saying I'm interested in the deeper cultural thing. It's a disgusting reality reality about our broken sexual culture, which Wait, I agree with. Sure, but you know what? There are still people who aren't attempted or actual That's, rapists. All you have to yes. do is find someone who isn't a rapist. It's so <laughs> insulting to men to say that Brett Kavanaugh is the best they can do. Right. Because it's like, no, there are so many qualified men if you want to go that route, I'm saying. Mm -hmm. How oh, about yeah. more women? Look, I mean, I it's terrifying and awful, but like Mike Pence is afraid to be in a like alone in a room with a woman who's not his wife. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think he's disgusting, but if he was nominated to the Supreme Court, he's not a rapist. <laughs> like, here's you can still find someone horrible yeah. who will uphold your terrible ideas without also including being a sexual predator. Well, that's the thing, and I don't understand why like men aren't more insulted by the fact that there are people who are just like, well, they're all sexual predators, so. What are you going to do? We just, just got to pick the best sexual predator among them. They're, like, well, I mean, they're they're probably also afraid that like, oh, my God, maybe I'll be accused of something. Sure. Yeah. Am I a bad guy? Have I done? Look, you probably have done something bad. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? And a lot of people made this point, and I think it is worth adding. Maybe you guys talked about it in another show. Like, if Kavanaugh had said this happened or had admitted at some point, had actually like genuinely shown remorse and an understanding that this was an issue, like he was displaying toxic behavior and that there was some sense of accountability, you know, some desire for reformation and improvement, then I think that we'd be dealing with a slightly different situation. But to continue to say, I didn't do anything, nothing mm -hmm. happened. I mean, it's the denial that makes it feel so sleazy and right. awful. And then this, it, that forces the conversation of, oh, well, boys will be boys. But part of making that, like part of changing what boys will be boys means is going to take men like Kavanaugh, like every, like anyone who has probably done something wrong, admitting that, owning it, and then committing to doing better. Like you're going to have to deal with the discomfort of people knowing that you fucked up really badly and you probably hurt someone, whether that was... Uh, 
by being a, a misogynist or putting someone in an uncomfortable situation. Like, mm -hmm. we're not trying to put people in jail. We're just trying to dismantle toxic masculinity. Not only are we not trying to put people in jail, but people like Louis C.K., it's almost like a large part of the public can't rush fast enough to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Even if they give a very half-assed apology, yeah. quote-unquote, like Louis C.K. did. So the the men who were like, oh, they're, they're burning us at the stake or whatever, it's like no one's gone to jail. No one's career, other than Harvey Weinstein, that I can think of. Yeah. And I mean, maybe Bill Cosby, but he's almost dead anyway. Well, and he's been convicted. <laughs> right, right. Um has actually had like a long term impact on their lives. Yeah. Well, and it, and I think the rush to try and forgive is that the faster these men, because it's always the men leading the charge, can forgive and decide that someone has been rehabilitated, the less time they have to live with the discomfort of examining their own behavior and complicity. Yes. Speaking uh, of. Speaking of. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about uh, Gian Gomeshi, who... This fucking essay. He cannot go away. So the New York Review of Books published an essay. 3,600 words. Yeah, by Gomeshi. Um, so in case you don't know who he was, he used to be a, a very popular Canadian radio host and musician in 2014 and 2015, he became the subject of numerous allegations of sexual assault, which included biting, choking, and punching women in the head. And he very grossly tried to, uh, his excuse was it was like BDSM. Yes. Which BDSM is all about consent and informed consent and having like a conversation before any of that stuff happens where it's yeah. like what are you into it is it is ethically and legally required that if you are interested in punching someone in the head mm -hmm. during sex that you negotiate that that is something that you're going to do that that person wants yes. and then communicate that it's about time and also never do any of that at a point to a point that makes someone see stars lose consciousness like there are it goes so you far, should have a safe yeah. word yeah everything all, of that all stuff. and all of that stuff is is stuff that was testified to in the criminal case against him that women said did not happen right so in 2016, he was acquitted on a number of those criminal counts when the judge said that the three women who testified in court against him had changed aspects of their story or had failed to reveal information to law enforcement. Um, so it turns out those were only a few of the accusations against him. Eventually, there were more than 20 women who had accused him of assault. Uh, he also avoided criminal charges in a separate trial by signing a quote-unquote peace bond and apologizing to his victim. Yeah, which is a essentially pleading no contest, and he was able to avoid jail time by publicly apologizing, as in owning up to and admitting the stuff that he did to her. Right. Which is useful because in the piece that he wrote, he suggested that he completely elided over the apology, mm -hmm. the admission, and um, completely misrepresented what a peace bond actually is. Right. So he published this long essay in the New York Review of Books titled Reflections from a Hashtag. Mm. Fun uh, fact, he was barely, he wasn't even really a hashtag. <laughs> if you say his name to most people, they're like, who? Uh, so he, his aim, in his words, was to, quote unquote, inject nuance into his story. Uh, he says he's faced, quote, unquote, enough humiliation for a lifetime as a victim of mass shaming. Mm. You know when it, you piss off a bunch of people and then they all get on the same page that you're a piece of shit? That's what he calls mass shaming. Oh. Uh, he also claims to have learned some lessons that have made him a better man. Quote, I have spent three uh, these years trying to listen, read, and reflect. That's four years, guys. Four years since things came out. Uh, adding that he now understands that he could be too demanding on dates. Oh. You know when you punch somebody in the face? Yeah. You're being too demanding. When you shove someone up against a wall and refuse to let them go? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's just me being demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, still, he denies the vast majority of the accusations, even though he apologized for them in court. Okay. Uh, the piece is promoted on the cover as part of a package on the fall of men. Oh, I, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I missed the fall of men. I know. 
I thought we were at least going to have a party or something. Oh, I know. I don't, like we, I didn't get to burn anyone in effigy. Like, where the fuck is my Wicker Man party? Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. The witches who lead us really fell down on the yeah. party planning aspects of this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is super gross. Uh, it's another example of a, a very prominent publication platforming pieces of shit. And he manages to open and close the story with uh, or the essay with stories of uh, meeting and talking to two different women. One who catches like he's doing karaoke and she realizes that he's Gianca Meshi and then she's embarrassed and he's like oh and now we're friends and she doesn't have a problem with me and then at the end he meets a woman on a train to Paris and he thinks at a length during their conversation about, or he describes thinking about all of the ways that he would have behaved and how things would have gone if he had been like he was before the shaming. But post-shaming, he now understood that he needed to listen to her and ask her questions. So instead of bragging about having like interviewed Leonard Cohen, doing one of Leonard Cohen's last interviews, he let her talk about her favorite Leonard Cohen song. But what he's saying, in effect, is that mass shaming works. Yeah, and also that he seems to have not learned anything because he sounds like a fucking sociopath. He does sound like <laughs> a sociopath, but if if he's if what he's saying is I would have been a monster, but this mass shaming is forcing me, even though I don't want you to behave myself a little bit. Yeah, it worked. Yes, yeah. He was like he ended by like, he learned something because he didn't call the woman when they got to Paris to like go out and have wine and bang her. Okay, and buddy. Like, so it worked. Yeah. Also, the lesson wasn't don't bang strange women. It's don't fucking coerce or trick right. people. Like don't. Right assault them don't punch them in the head and then claim you had consent to do that yeah it's like don't do non-consensual bullshit this right. is the problem it's not that like That's you shouldn't like, have a one night stand i bet that woman was totally into it and would have been sure. fine with it because she clearly was not looking for a relationship if they're just getting on a train to paris well it's the henry cavill thing where he's like i'm afraid to talk to women now and it's like when did we ever say you couldn't talk to women no and also i don't want to talk to you harry cavill i just want you to take your shirt off yes like if i wanted to Yes, if I wanted to have sex with a washed up 90s indie rocker, I mean, I live in, like, I live near Bushwick. This I is could, not I hard. I could throw a shoe right now and I could hit a washed up 90s rocker for you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. this is not, that's not the problem. The problem is all of the toxic, noxious nonsense that leads them to think that they're victims because they're no longer getting what they've felt entitled to over that's, the course of their adult life. That's the crux of it. You're the weirdo because you think talking to a woman leads to B to C to D. Like you are forming that equation mm -hmm. in your head and not just having a normal fucking interaction yeah. with someone. And and you're so self-centered that the idea that you <laughs> the idea that being like being called out for being self-centered over a range of different mm -hmm. behaviors suddenly becomes that you're being accused of of like criminality or violence. And that's the part that really infuriated me about the uh, New York Review of Books editor's response. The man clearly didn't have any information about the 20 women. He sounded surprised when he did an interview with Slate and the uh, Isaac Chotiner asked him, well, what about the 20 women? And he said, oh, well, I don't really know very much of the details of that. I just thought, it was so interesting, and I thought, like, oh, so this guy was complaining about how he didn't like being publicly shamed, and you're a piece of shit. Right. So you were like, oh, I want to publish this because I feel like there should be more people defending my point of view. It does feel like the women have gone too far. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I can't, this is just one of those things. I did look him up on Wikipedia. Ian Baruma is his name. Um, he's a Dutch person who does a lot of writing about the Far East. Uh, and has a very young Asian wife, so there's nothing creepy going on wow. here. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's really into Orientalism, so that's like just part of it. But he's also got the look of a 65 year old man who definitely doesn't like Islam because he thinks that it oppresses women. <laughs> he just he looks like Neil. He looks like somebody who would pal around with Neil Ferguson and Sam Harris. And I just wow want to put them in a boat and send them to sea. Well, let's end that. Uh, <laughs> let's end things on uh, Meredith having dragged that man to hell. Uh, <laughs> guys, here's your good news. Yay. So I was going to count uh, Brett Kavanaugh's accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, um, her being willing to testify as good news mm -hmm. because I think 
uh, she's enormously brave, and I also think she's going to lend a lot of courage to other victims out yeah. there. Not that that's her job. Like, if she had decided not to testify, that also would have been totally valid. Right. But I do think it's good news whenever a victim comes forward to um, name the crimes of her accuser. Yeah. I think just or her being accuser. willing to talk about an experience that was traumatic is enough to, like, yeah, that's good news because it means that things have shifted just enough that uh, another person feels comfortable coming forward. And right. that is super important. And then also, uh, yeah, it's a nice thing to realize that we have come a decent way since Anita Hill. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, that that there's so much with Anita Hill where it wasn't just not believing women. There was also like race uh, involved and racism. Um, yeah. If you ever want to lose all respect for Joe Biden, go oh, yeah. back and see what he said about Anita Hill. So I did want to shout out also people who are coming to uh, Ford's defense, especially people who are very prominent, who have a a, a very prominent platform. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Also great, yeah. Yeah, uh, who shares an alma mater with mm -hmm. Ford, um, signed an open letter supporting her allegations. Um, also a friend of the show, Alexis Goldstein. Hell yeah. Uh, has signed the letter and is, is an alum. So, you know, we are, we've got, we got good people on this. Hell yeah. Uh, so she tweeted, I was class of 79 and signed this letter and then linked to the document. Um, so yeah, hell yeah. Also in good news, we covered this on I think yesterday's episode, maybe the the week before. But M McDonald's employees at some McDonald's restaurants, not all of them, are preparing to strike over sexual harassment, um, which is just awesome. Like collective action is always worth shouting yes. out. Yeah, and especially like we we talked about this on whatever episode it was where we first covered this, but. Um, a, major a majority of fast food workers are uh, older women of color. Mm -hmm. So this, obviously, that makes them very vulnerable because they're also easy to replace. So if they complain about sexual harassment to their boss, if like they do the right thing, or if their boss is the one sexually harassing them and they go above them, they can easily be fired and they don't have a union to represent them which is part of the reason that unions are good, guys. Um, so Jezebel profiles uh, some of the women in an article that I'll link to at our Lipson page. But uh, Kim Lawson is one of the women they profile, and she works at a McDonald's in Kansas City, Missouri. And she tells Jezebel that she just kind of thought sexual harassment came with the job. Yeah. Almost immediately after she start, started, she said a coworker began brushing up against her numerous times and went out of his way to be near her, always standing too close. He would give her gifts, something he didn't do to anyone else they worked with. But when she told a manager about her coworker's behavior, no action was taken. Uh, quote, he still worked the same shift. He was still around. Uh, the experience soured her on reporting any harassment. So when a night shift manager began hitting on her, making lewd comments about her body, she felt like saying something would be useless. And since he was a manager, she said, I felt like I had to be nice about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that sounds very familiar to a lot of people listening. So um, Lawson is just one of many workers at McDonald's, uh, McDonald's in nine cities around the country who plan on taking part in what organizers have billed as the first ever nationwide strike protesting sexual harassment. Which is a big fucking deal. It's amazing. Also, it's batshit that if that's true, this is the first strike protesting sexual harassment specifically. Like, right. I'm sure that was always like one of the grievances. Mm -hmm. But, and these employees credit the Me Too movement. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the the strikes that created the labor movement and brought us the 40-hour work week weren't, a, like, they didn't go in just thinking, oh, yes, no, well, we are here to now protest sexual harassment or sexual, or we're here to protest working conditions. Like, there were lots of things they were doing, and we only think about, and that's why we think of the labor movement as something that focuses on wages and hours and uh, workplace safety. Mm -hmm. That doesn't... Me that by no means 
precludes people from suddenly now creating a new labor movement that's focused on specifics, like specifically ending sexual harassment and discrimination. Right, right. Uh, also in good news and also a follow-up to a story we covered on Light Trees and News, we went and we did like a deep dive into the whole weird, fucked up phenomenon of Julie Chen being married to Les Moonves. Yeah. Julie Chen being one of the hosts on the talk. Julie Chen being one of the hosts covering Les Moonves being accused by so many women of sexual um, harassment. And just plain old regular harassment. And just regular harassment. Leaving CBS. She covers the story. At no point does she mention that she's married to Les Moonves. I can't remember if I offered this update to the story, but she did this very shady move where she signed off from, what's that dumb show she hosts? Not the the talk, the other one. Oh God, I don't know. Um, one of the reality I'd shows. I'd have to watch CBS to actually know these things. <laughs> and you're not 100 years old, so you don't watch CBS. <laughs> Whatever though, murder, she oh, wrote oh, rules. Oh. Anyway. Uh, Big Brother, she signs off and oh, she, yeah. she signs off and she goes, this is Julie Moonves signing off. Like she used his name, which she never uses, which was a very, very uh, shady thing to do. So, update to the story. She is leaving the talk. Hmm. Which I count as good news. Bye! Collaborator. Um, Can I throw in one that's just basically, like, comedy? Yes. Uh, So, this is from a a report on the Texas Senate race. Quote from Ted Cruz. If Texas elects a Democrat, they're going (laughs) to ban barbecue across the state of Texas. (laughs) And I feel like we can all just appreciate why that's good news because, oh, my God. like, <laughs> Oh, my God. I love all of his fear-mongering about what's going to happen if a Democrat wins. He's so worried about their dietary choices. And I'm sorry, but you can definitely smoke and or barbecue vegetables and non-meat <laughs> uh, soy products. Come I, on. Yeah. I mean, I am a liberal, but I know... I mean, vegan liberals are still very much the minority. Yeah. Well, and I just keep thinking about, you know, this is like, so, so guys, at least one Republican is very concerned about a meatless future. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you know. I, do you think like Ted Cruz wakes up in the middle of the night, like waking I mean, from nightmares that meat has been banned? Well, and I mean, for a man who loves soup so much, you think he'd be fine with it, but... <laughs> Maybe he likes, like, chunky meat. I thought it was cream of mushroom. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, still not vegan. He got some dairy in there. Yeah. Uh, so before we close out the episode, did you have any other recommendations we did not get to? Um, do I have any other recommendations? That could be reading, oh, listening. I have two things that I'm very excited about that I'm oh, doing yes. this week. We're looking uh, forward I'm to. looking forward tomorrow. I am going to an outdoor screening slash immersive film experience uh, of Mad Max Fury Road. <gasps> um, it's of course it's happening in Bushwick. Uh, this place. This is also a recommendation for this event series, Barbecue Films or BBQ Films. They partner with different event spaces to create these immersive cinematic experiences. Ah. So I found out about them because I went to see the original Fast and Furious in a converted car garage where they served uh, like a cookout, a la the cookout scene in the original Fast and Furious, and then also you could buy. Coronas and hang out around cars. So now they're doing a similar thing in an event space in uh, like off the Morgan stop. So that's going to be fucking awesome. I'm jealous. So wait, what are they going to do that makes it immersive? Um, it's something about the way that they have the place set up. And I think there's like some sort of performances beforehand. Gotcha. Uh, and so it's not quite the same thing, but they're, it's in a, it's in a space that has a lot of beautiful green stuff. So the idea is I think that it's similar to the green place or the oh, like, okay. you sure, know, sure, sure. So there's a little bit that. And then just like the setup is such that they're uh, it's supposed to be more. It's supposed to be a little bit better than your normal outdoor movie situation where you're, you you don't yeah. get the great sound. Uh, and then on Thursday, I'm going to see Nico Case at the Beacon Theater. Hell yeah. Those are both bomb things. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the new Nico, the newest Nico Case record, Hell On, you really need to because she is going so hard into being an angry middle-aged lady. And I've never <laughs> been here for it more because she just is like, she's embracing her inner Baba Yaga. Because she's, yeah. you know, Ukrainian or Russian. So, yes. Yeah. She's def. I can't wait until Nico Case has a Baba Yaga phase because oh, you know it's coming. It is coming. We're and like I am, on the cusp of it. I know. I'm waiting. I'm uh, waiting. So that's I, those are me. 
I'm looking forward to, I'm going to the DC Improv Festival fun. with my Lloyd team. So that'll be very fun. We're staying with one of my teammates has an apartment in DC that she, she used to live in DC, but she's been like airbnb it out. Mm-hmm. So we have somewhere to stay. Oh, that's nice. We're going to go to a dance party the first night we're there. Oh, cool. It's going to be very fun. It's also nice because like she's from DC, so she knows all of the spots. Yeah. So that's nice to have so someone. You're not going to get stuck talking to some sort of like DC political journalist. Like lobbyists yeah. at a bar. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking forward to that. Also on the opposite end of the Tom Hardy career spectrum at Mad <laughs> Max arguably being the highlight, the opposite end. I got my ticket to Venom, baby. Oh, word. Uh, I I have been telling that to everyone, and they're like, you know, it's not going to be good, right? I'm like, yes, I know that. I'm like, very, not I, the point. I've seen the trailers. I know what's up, you know? Uh, but I will have a review of that coming as well. What else have I been listening to? Oh, the Harry Potter audiobooks, guys. This is my whole world now. Oh, my God. I'm How far like, have you gotten? So I'm like halfway done with uh goblet of fire okay yeah uh so this which i'm also enjoying they're they've become better written so you yes. don't have to be i'm yeah. i'm enjoying them a lot but i'm always like why don't i have more recommendations i'm like because i'm literally that's all i've been doing mm-hmm. and worse i found out that the audible app rewards you for like reading for a certain like there's all t- different types of rewards like if you read on the weekend yeah. if you read for more than eight hours or listen for more than eight hours they'll like give you a badge and the type a student in me is like oh now i have to collect all of these badges yeah so i've been doing nothing but listening to harry potter audiobooks which has been awesome and i am really enjoying them i'm so excited to start watching the movies and yeah but you guys were all right Anyone who wrote me and was borderline rude about me not having read the Harry Potter books, you were right. Hey. Oh, and I I have one thing. It's also Tom Hardy related, weirdly enough. Um, This was a text from my sister yesterday, and it just made my day, and I think it might make other people's day as well. If you'd like a laugh, imagine Tom Hardy as Bane doing Daniel Day-Lewis's milkshake monologue from There Will Be Blood. (laughs) Uh, I wish yeah. I had a Bane impression. <laughs> it's I really okay with shake. I can't do it. Yeah, but it does. Uh, it gets it gets sillier and sillier the more you think about it. And I just think that that's it. It brought me a lot of joy. That's great. Also, <laughs> if you want a picture like Bane riding a very small like tricycle, it's <laughs> always a fun image. Yeah, basically, basically Bane, Bane doing anything. <laughs> doing anything that Bane wouldn't be doing. Bane doing like hanging laundry. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, it, like the yeah. full sheepskin jacket with the mask on. There's an element of like uh, space ghost to that. Like I see the like just putting Bane into mon- into mundane situations oh where you'd God. have that. So like this started yeah. like early on, especially on Tumblr, because there's a scene in Batman where if you, it's when they're they have the weird sort of like kangaroo court setup. Yeah where Bane is playing with a piece of yarn. And that was just <laughs> Tom Hardy being weird and like being bored on set and playing. And Christopher Nolan liked it, so he kept it. But then all of these memes started that Bane knits. Yeah. So there was a bunch of art of Bane, like with the very small needles, like which oh, just started all of the, what else wouldn't Bane do that we should well, make Bane do? Bane would totally be somebody who read A Tale of Two Cities and was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with Madame Defarge and the knitters. <laughs> just yeah. passing sentence in... Um, uh, you know, in his, you know, lovely sweaters that he hands out to the poor people that he, in his poor minions. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, before we go, how is Rosie? Rosie is so good. She mm-hmm. is about to get a visit from some friends this evening. She's oh very excited. She's going to get lots of love and lots of treats from them. She deserves it. And uh, yeah, she continues to just be the absolute joy. Thriving. Yeah. Thriving. I uh, took her to the little sort of tchotchke knickknack shop that has opened up recently in my neighborhood. It's run by two absolutely badass women who both have small children, like little babies that mm-hmm. are in the store with them all day. And Rosie met both of the little babies and walked up to the one that's the smaller baby that was like in her little chair and licked its perfect chubby little leg. Oh. And then the baby giggled and smiled this big 
toothless baby grin. How did you not instantly drop dead? I think I did. And I was revived <laughs> because then the baby giggled again. And Rosie jumped towards the playpen and put her paws where the other baby who was standing up with its hands oh against the mesh. God. So their little paws like in baby hands uh, met <gasps> at the mesh. And so then I was revived and I served. And wow. I'm there. So... If you need something, it's got to be great so exciting <laughs> for babies and for small dogs when they see each other because it's like, you're my size. I know. Well, sometimes it can be unsettling. And I know that's one of the reasons why people get worried about small dogs because they can be high strung. But Rosie was genuinely so no, excited Rosie's to see little. made to play with babies. Yeah. And she was so gentle. And it was just, yes, the licking was was perfect. Oh so that's God. that's your moment of zen. Just imagine <sighs> a puppy, like a puppy sized corgi, like licking a, a giggling, a fat leg. little baby leg, as a as uh, said, fat little three month old baby just giggles. That's my happy place. Yeah, that's gonna be my memory. Uh, guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L Clark. Please go to LightTreason.news. Smash that donate button. A bunch of you have been signing up at my Patreon. Smart move. There's bonus episodes over there right now about Riverdale, about Infinity War, but also about so much more than those things, you guys, like fascism and like homoeroticism and how we need more of it in the Marvel universe. Just, you know, so much stuff that interests us and might interest you. Yeah. So go sign up at $5 a month or higher over there. You can also send us questions at Light Trees and News if you do that. $10 a month, you get to do the very, very fun online hangouts once a month with everyone and yeah thank you so much for listening and while you're at it get out there and cause a little trouble <laughs> <laughs>